Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. Um, This week is book launch week. My book comes out on the 23rd. Um, I hope that you pre-ordered a copy so that you get your free stickers and coloring pages. Um, They are super cute and go along with the book beautifully. Um, I am so proud of this work. So I do hope that you go order your copy wherever you get your books. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. It's at your independent bookstores. Um, the beautiful artwork, the illustrations by Paulina Morgan are so, so cute. I love them. Um, and I just, I believe that books are such a beautiful way to bridge a lot of different conversations with our little ones. Um, there's so much conversation and community packed into this little book and I'm very very proud of it so I hope that you guys go order your copy I hope that you enjoy reading it to your families I'm excited Um, my children have been just really enjoying their copies we got our advanced copies a couple weeks ago and they make me read it to them pretty much every day Um, which right now I'm excited. So I'm reading it to them nonstop. And we're having a lot of different conversations that are in the book. And I love it. So I hope that you love it as much as I do. Um, Today, I'm welcoming on Eli Weinstein. He is the host of the Dude Therapist podcast, which you can listen to wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, Eli is a therapist and he is a dad of a beautiful baby girl. Um, Eli talks about his transition into fatherhood and the struggle it took on his mental health and some of the struggles around bonding with his baby in the beginning. He talks about his struggles with anxiety, with his own anxieties and panic attacks, how he has overcome those. And he talks about ways that dads can better bond with their babies and how moms can better support their partners in this transition. You can find Eli on his website, elivation.org. And you can find him on Instagram at elivation underscore therapist. And again, his podcast is The Dude Therapist. Make sure that you go subscribe to that because I am joining him on his podcast as well in April. Um, So I'm super excited that he's here. I'm super excited that you are listening. And if you enjoy this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me. And I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started. Cheers. So Eli, welcome to the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm so excited that you are here so that we can talk about fatherhood and mental health. Um, Eli, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm a therapist in New York. I work in a community clinic where I work with everyone and anyone from the issues of self-esteem, anxiety, depression, to even bipolar schizophrenia. And I'm also, I'm a father of a 19, almost 19 month old baby. Uh, I can't believe we, this is happening. Looking at her, watching her progress. It's been a little, um, a lot of reflections and introspection, (laughs) like watching her walk and talk and say the craziest things. It's so funny. And I'm, I've been married for, uh, a little over five and a half years. Yeah. And that's a little about me. I think that like the 18 month to two years old is one of like the funnest times as a parent. Like they're she's, just so funny and their words so and I love it. Like, she's like very into Nemo. Three, it's like. Then it gets crazy. She's like very into <laughs> Nemo and she started doing the Finn and Noggin yeah. dude thing. 
my wife like in the bathtub we have nemo and dory and all these things and, and my wife just talked to her once as a joke right. and she goes give me some fin she goes give fin and i go like who are you like you're just 19 months old like you shouldn't be doing this right. and it's so yummy and it just fills your heart after a long day i know you probably feel the same way as a therapist we just hear so much so much stuff yeah and getting a relief from a light mm-hmm. that's so beautiful and is yours and is with you all the time is yeah. something that is very much like a part of my self-care. Yeah. Um, wasn't always like that, but it really it really is now. Yeah. So kind of talk to us a little bit about your transition into fatherhood. I've always wanted to be, to be a dad. Since yeah. I was like 13, 14, I've always wanted to be a father. I, I come from, I'm a Jewish, Orthodox Jewish guy. So family is a very big part of our culture mm-hmm. and religion. It's, you know, all the holidays, all the synagogues, all the rituals are really centered around the family unit. Even Sabbath, the Sabbath table, like being together Friday night dinner. It's like this very beautiful thing. So it's always been ingrained in me. And my wife and I were married for a couple of years and we went through infertility and still go through it, had to go through IVF. So there was a lot of pressure um, and hope around potential a child and loss of a family. And we had to go through two rounds. Second round worked. And the second she was born, um, it was a emergency C-section, which mm-hmm. caused us even more stress of the, of the matter of a baby. And not thinking we were going to walk out of that hospital with a child right. um, was very, very scary. Um, and the first, I don't know, within the first month of her life, I had a massive panic attack. Yeah. Because I bottled, bottled all those things of trying to be strong for my wife through IVF strong for her during the craziness of the birth and the beginning of pregnancy at the beginning of, of having a baby, it hit me really hard and I couldn't find that rhythm until I got help. And also connecting with my daughter changed everything. And it took a little bit, a little bit, a couple of months to finally like find my rhythm, even though I know I wanted to be a father. Right. I, it was just this huge transition for me. Because I think that like we do not talk about enough or it's not a normalized conversation to talk about men's transition into fatherhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where as women, we talk about, you know, there's this nine month progression where you're growing a human inside your body, um, you know, and there's all these resources for women to start their motherhood journey, mm-hmm. right? There's products for that for us. There's books. support groups, books, all of it. And for men, it's kind of, you're just thrown into the deep end and then you're a little bit shamed when <laughs> you are you don't know what you're doing, right? Or you're not yeah. showing up the way that we need you to or we mm-hmm. want you to. Mm-hmm. And so kind of talk to us a little bit about some of those things. Well, I would say that all the books, like the famous book for pregnancy is What to Expect. Right. Right? right. Not bashing the book at all. I think it has great content. But if you look at the book, there's only small gray boxes randomly throughout the book that are specifically for the husband or father yeah. or father figure. The majority of the book is spoke is is for and speaking to the mom. Yeah. So you're trying to look for those little tidbits and you're like every well, hundred pages. <laughs> like a hundred pages, it's like a little box be there for your wife. And you're like, okay. But also on top of that, if you look for dad books, they're not – I was above the the basic level of dad books of like right. be supportive for your wife, change diapers. Like I got that. It was right. the other stuff that I needed, the emotional part of going through it. And you're right. A mom truly connects with that child for nine months, has nine months to truly understand 
because the baby is literally growing in their body. And all of a sudden I see that from external perspective. And then one day the baby's there. Right. And, and it took me till paternity leave where it was just me and my daughter. And I highly suggest this for any guy listening and for any woman listening whose husband is having a hard time connecting, leave him alone with a child. Yeah. It's trial by fire. And you finally then connect with that child because it's only you. There's no one to rely on. There's no one to say, I can't do it. I'm sorry. And back out. And that is the moment where I truly fell in love with my daughter and have not looked back since. And I will take any day all day with her. It doesn't mean it's not a hard day. It doesn't mean it's not challenging, but I yeah. look at it with more of a perspective of positive and love and joy versus fear and unknown and uncertainty that this is going to hit the fan and I'm going to have to deal with it. Well, you probably really gained like some confidence through that experience of being like thrown into the deep end. Like, all right, <laughs> you got to put she on cried, your boy pants. And the crazy <laughs> thing was the, the day she was born that later that day, my wife or the two days later, I forgot time was really not on my side because we were so tired. Um, she had to take a shower after right. the, all the, all the needles and the birth. She deserved a shower. Right. And so she wanted to take a shower and it was just me and my daughter's name is Ricky is sitting there and she is bawling and screaming and there's no one else in the room except for me and this screaming baby who I barely have a relationship with. Who's like maybe two days old and I am freaking out. I call my mom. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, take a deep breath. You're the father. Yeah. You got this. You're the father. Just but I don't got this. I know. I did not feel like it, but it was a great piece of advice. You're the yeah. dad. Yeah. You just need to be there. And um, and then really everything changed paternity leave. It was a life-changing experience. Yeah. I So in like my parenting journey and my listeners know this, um, my, my oldest is from a previous relationship. So then when I got married and we started having um, the next three with the, <laughs> that we have together, yeah. when we had our first one, he was very much like, hiding in the office like that first <laughs> week of her life he was like hiding in the office and finally I like come down the stairs I open up those office doors I'm like you better get your butt out of here <laughs> He's like you've done this before you know what you're doing like I feel so incompetent and you know I just like I think that it's so true though like and not even you know maybe you haven't had a child from a previous relationship like me but as women you know we've grown up being babysitters, your body's preparing you, you know, there's so many experiences and places to plug in to know kind of what you're doing. Nature takes over. And for men, it's not so much. Um, and which is, by the way, a beautiful thing to watch it as, is. As, as, a, as a man yeah. watching my wife just kick into so, motherhood. Yeah. I was so amazed. I, I continuously thank her now. But yeah. in the beginning, I was just so amazed that she like didn't of course it was hard when the baby was up half the night but she never complained like she was just there like there and doing it and knew like how and i just sat there going like uh anything i could do for you like (laughs) i I, I, you got this like yeah but then also that that also put a wedge between me and my baby is that i felt like my wife had it in the bag yeah it was so good at it that she didn't need me yeah because she had it. She was doing such a great job. So, and every time I did it and I didn't do it right or whatever, I ended up just turning to the default, my my wife. And unfortunately mothers become the default a lot of times, which then dissuades and dismisses me from wanting to help because I could just, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. You don't need me. Why should I mess up for you to then, but sometimes it takes 
and it's not even messing up as long as your child is alive and healthy, but you know, <laughs> changing diapers, feeding, putting to bed, holding. Um, I ended up becoming the napper. My wife is not very good at, at napping or falling asleep in random places. She needs to be in bed or on yeah. the couch sprawled out for me. That was my, that was my time to shine as a father. So my baby wanted to nap and she couldn't get put down because she would get fussy. Yeah. I would just fall asleep on the couch. Yeah. And there, my wife took bajillion pictures of me sleeping <laughs> with the baby. But that was my role because I can do that and she couldn't. Here's so, Eli again being baby trapped and napping literally, on the couch. <laughs> literally, I got to tell you, in, my wife made like a, a photo album of like yeah. the first year of my baby's life. And there's two pages of just me napping with her. And like my mouth is open and the baby's mouth is open. And they're adorable pictures. And I probably, I can't wait. And I miss those days of cuddling and napping. Right. My baby's now they're not. <laughs> my, my baby, Ricky, does not want to nap at all now with me on me. She's right. so like particular about being in her career. Yeah. Uh, which is great. Um, but it's a very funny feeling to see that if if moms let their husbands make mistakes and, mm-hmm. and, and be there instead of saying, no, I got this and taking a step back the, and taking the step back that they deserve. Moms deserve that step back. Yes. And letting the father take a bigger role sometimes when you're tired, hungry, annoyed, frustrated, that will teach us to be able to do it because we can. So Eli, I've talked to a lot of different moms who feel like, well, you know, moms get the default parent role. Yeah. And there's a lot of moms out there who are in relationships where the husbands aren't like, hey, help me Mm -hmm. fill in the gap here. Help me stumble and fall and figure out my fatherhood role, right? They're like, well, you've got it. So you've got it. Yeah. So how should those moms, you feel like, be empowering their husbands to take more initiative? So I think it really is about finding the strengths of your of the man or whoever partner is not the baby carrying child. Because yeah. there is something special about that connection that yeah. the other spouse or partner does not have, which is sad, but true. Right. right. You carry the baby. You have a deep, deep connection that no one else will ever have with that child, which is a magical and beautiful thing of life. So it's really about finding the strengths of the other person, whether it was napping for me or being more patient at certain nap times or sleeping, whether it was feeding and holding a bottle is not a very skillful thing. (laughs) Holding a bottle in a child's mouth who needs help is difficult. It's not difficult at all. Yeah. But if you're breastfeeding and that's not a possibility, getting your wife some water or a pillow to help her keep calm and and comfortable. Um, checking in every couple of minutes or every half an hour, depending on how long your baby breastfeeds. Um, are you okay? Do you need anything? All those little things to show support to your spouse who might be the default and things are falling on their shoulders a lot more. Show up. Show up for them. Show up for yourself and be there as much as you can. And it's also about having that conversation. Sometimes a lot of couples don't have the opportunity to, to talk about what's going to happen when we have a, a kid. What can you do? What can I do? Until all of a sudden there's a kid and that's a little too late. But it's really not because you can just have a conversation to say, dude, here's what I need. Yeah. Mom, I can do this and that. Father, other partner, here's what I can help out with. But it, you have to be honest because one person cannot do it alone because they'll be destroyed and totally burnt out. And that will end up hurting your child more than you just doing a few extra things here and there. 
And we're seeing that a lot this year with like this pandemic and mm. single parenting oh and not goodness. having the out the outside supports. You know, I think single parents have a heavy, heavy load without a pandemic, but we are watching single parents this year severely, severely struggle. Yeah. Um, I'll never like not applaud those parents, but like this year, especially you I, need. I, I didn't know how they did it before. I yeah. didn't know how single parents did it before. And yeah. now with the pandemic, with yeah. homeschooling and and who knows your financial situation, right. it, it's just it's warriors. They're, war- they're heroes and warriors. It really is yeah. ridiculous. People who are doing it on their own, it really is. You deserve a medal, even though it's not out there, but you do deserve a medal. I know. The burnout is real and oh, we will like trudge through this, right? <laughs> But so, I mean, like going back to transitioning into fatherhood and the mental health piece, because you kind of talked about your own struggles Mm -hmm. where there were these anxious feelings that came up, you bottled, you know, you had this very um, physical reaction. How can dads be setting themselves up or how can we kind of change the narrative around men and mental health issues, right? Because I feel like that's probably still a topic that needs a lot that's, addressed. That's a, a long, long conversation. But okay. to, to t- tie it into parenting, you know, I as a therapist, I was so in tune to focusing on my wife for postpartum. Yeah, I was so like studying the signs and focusing and checking in because I knew it and I wasn't trying to therapize my wife. I'm not sure if that's a word, but I'll use it anyway. I will use it. I wasn't trying to therapize her or be a therapist for her. I just wanted to make sure she was okay because I was trained in knowing what to do. Right. And if I could help and get her help, then I knew what to do. Right. But by doing that, I was never focusing on myself. And my wife was so focused on the baby. Not that she wasn't, not that she was actively ignoring me, but her mind was in other places. Thank God baby's alive and well, that's all that matters. Right. But I forgot about myself. And yeah. I think for guys out there, it's truly about, which is a hard thing. And it's a longer conversation about being a very aware in what you need and communicating. So there was a moment where I could not sleep. Yeah. I was so restless and I ended up in the living room so my wife could sleep. And I kind of took another, uh, in the bed, another, another room and my wife woke up and I was on the floor curled up in a ball, almost pulling my hair out. That's how anxious I was. And I looked at my wife crying. I'm like, something's wrong. I need help. Yeah. And it takes that moment of asking for help and getting the help you need. But if you don't ask for help and you bottle it up, it will explode in your face and come out whether it's with anger, with isolation, with depressive symptoms, anxious symptoms. It never is helpful to bottle up. It means, and if you haven't been to therapy and you're scared about going to therapy, Maybe talk to a buddy or a friend of yours or a, a, a dude that you know who is a therapist about what it means to be in therapy or listen to a podcast about what it means to be in therapy because it's not as scary as men make it seem and it's not as quote unquote girly or not as manly to be in therapy, which I can't stand that people feel that way because everyone deserves- it's an hour of your life where all you get to do is talk, is talk. about yourself. Talk about yourself. What man, what man would not want? The ego comes out. It's totally great. But also it's an objective person who really actually cares about you and has no, has no agenda. Yeah. It's, I think that's a blessing. That's so it. if we just like the stigma of mental health and especially with men, because women I think are more naturally innate to get help and to grow. Mm-hmm. If you even just look at social media and the amount of mom 
podcasts and social media accounts and women's growth and success and business coaching and life coaches and therapists outnumbers probably men a bajillion to one. I agree with you. And it's because women are more naturally growth oriented, which is beautiful. I do a thing on my page every week on Saturdays. It's called Support a Mom Saturday. And I do, I do a question box and people can like, you know, put in, I need support with, and they'll be like postpartum depression. And mm-hmm. I'll link them with different accounts that have content around that. And I cannot tell you the amount of times that people have put in there that they need support for their husband with finding great dad accounts. You know, like there's all these funny dad meme accounts, but there's not supportive like positive parenting accounts like there are for moms geared for dads or working out dads a lot of working out dads funny dad meme things and there are a couple of dads who do really good work yeah Uh, i hope i'm you know part of that i hope i'm helping someone with their fatherhood stuff my page is not just for dads it's for anyone I just also talk about fatherhood. I talk. I have fatherhood Fridays where I talk about fatherhood on Fridays. Yeah. Also, because you know you have to use those cute. I funny know. That's why I do support a mom Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> but in the end, it's very, it's very, it's not rare. It's just not as common and not as seen because, and even dad groups. I'm in a few support groups on Facebook, and there's so yeah. many. A lot of them are either venting about their wives, yeah, venting about their children, but no one ever gives any helpful tips. Right. Because, or it's like memes or sports things ends up turning into like a bro hangout, which is important, which is helpful, but not what the group is about. Right. So just funny how things turn into that a little bit. And it does just kind of, I feel like perpetuate this default parent of the mother when all, when the information is only geared for the mother, Mm -hmm. how can we help dads plug into and be positive parents, supportive partners. You know what I mean? So it's like so hard. It was funny so, when, when we got discharged from the hospital, yeah. um, we had to take like a little like goodbye class or whatever they call it. We were in NYU Langone, great hospital. They did a great job. My wife was taking care of Ricky. Yeah. And it was, it ended up being like majority of just all the dads. Yeah. Sitting in the room, looking like they were ghosts, and like they, their their, ma- their eyes were shot, their mouths were wide open, like traumatized for the rest of their lives, and uh, it was very interesting to watch from my perspective as a new dad and a therapist, going, "Is this really going to help us?" Because the stuff was not like it was like, "Don't shake your baby," um, you know, "If your baby cries, here's a list," you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, yeah. "Don't kill your child." And it's very simple stuff of how to keep your baby alive, but it wasn't about what it meant to be a parent. Right. And I was wondering, like, this is the most opportune time to have, like, a group. But yeah. no dad would show up if it was a legitimate group. Right. They would be like, oh, no, no, I don't need that. I'm good. I don't need a support group. I'm good. Uh, just tell me what to do when a baby chokes and I'll be okay because I'm the fixer savior. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> but, like, support mental health, like, no, 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 I'm good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So it was, like, this weird moment I had. And then it's really like interesting because we now know the research around like postpartum depression and anxiety and how many men yeah. go through postpartum depression and anxiety as well. Yeah. And I, I won't like remember the statistic off the top of my head, but I want to say it's like one in seven. It's a large amount of men that also go through these things when transitioning into fatherhood. So you know, I do. I think that there needs to be more awareness, more conversation around these pieces of fatherhood. And I think that 
it really comes down to change is really difficult. Right. Change is really hard and messes with your psyche. It messes with your personality. It messes with your individuality. All those things that we identify as because you've been thrown a wrench of your entire life that you've expected. You had this routine. You had that style. You got up at this time. You ate this. You did that. You were with your spouse. All those things that you you take for granted. And now in one day that changes. It's, it's like a bomb. Exactly. And <laughs> it's very hard for the the, the, the wife or the default yeah. parent. And it's very hard for you. But unfortunately, for years, it's been the focus on the default because that's the focus because that's the person usually taking care of the child more often. And that's the one we really have to worry about. Um, and I also think that, you know, statistically, also not really good remembering numbers from research studies. I, I can remember the the idea, but the numbers, not right. yeah, me I, I'm, I'm not a math person. That's why I became a therapist. That's why I wear the social worker. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm a social worker. I, do I can't do, do math. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and it was talking about how statistically women have more mental health issues mm-hmm. than men do. Mm-hmm. And sorry, men have more mental health diagnosis, but with women, it shows more. Sorry, that's a statistic that men might have more diagnoses, maybe undiagnosed, right? but because it shows up more and aggressively or more um, available to see and feel and hear those issues. And because women go for help more, the numbers for women are higher. Right. If that makes sense. I believe sense. in that. I believe that. Because. I'm not shocked are, to hear this. No, and, and so postpartum, you can see it, you can feel it, you can hear it, you yeah. can sense it. It's something very, very tactile. Right. So if it's more common in, if let's say statistically you can see it more in women, that's going to be the focus of all the research studies and all the ideas and the books and the things like that. Right. And it makes total sense. Yeah. It really does. And it's not, I don't think it's like the end of the world, but definitely when I started posting more about fatherhood and right. like mental health stuff, people were like, Oh my gosh, I, I can't believe you felt that. I felt the same thing. <laughs> oh, oh, you did that too. Oh my goodness. It's just, it's true. And I'm like, guys need community just as much as women need community. There needs to be these places to plug in and we need to normalize these conversations. But guys community is usually like a bro day of watching sports <laughs> or playing or working out or playing right. outside and, or golfing or tennis. You need to change it. But like girls, like girls night is usually, it's not what guys expect. It's not like in pajamas and pillows and having a pillow fight. It's usually around mimosas, you know, or drinking <laughs> or having good time and talking. Right. Inventing and being support and being support, whether it's at a bar, whether it's at a a nice food restaurant or just in someone's living room. Right. That's usually what a girl's night out is. It's like, I need to talk to someone and I need to just be with other like-minded women who are going to help build me up. And men are not like that. It's not something we just don't do. It frustrates me. I'm like that. I'm more of a talker. (laughs) Why I'm a therapist, I guess. I'm more emotionally in tune. It's a struggle. Is it hard, like not having that dad community? I have found dads that I connect with. Yeah, my 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 best friends are very supportive, yeah. um, and emotionally in touch and very emotionally aware. Um, yes, of course, we probably talk a lot about Marvel and and sports and you know whatever bro whatever bro things you can throw <laughs> into that conversation. Right. But I do know that if I did need to talk emotionally. Yeah. Um, they can rely on me and I can rely on them, which we have for each other, whether it was for dad things, infertility things, um, husband things. I know I can rely on like three or four of those friends I know, but it isn't about creating this massive movement. 
It's about each guy having one or two people in their corner. If, if it's a therapist, great. If it's just two buddies or three buddies, that's also amazing. I'm really curious to know, does are your friends that are more emotionally in tuned and that you can talk to and have this community with, are they also Jewish? They are. Um, I just, just like wonder, like, is that like the culture? Is that a cultural difference? That... I don't, my father's not like that. No. No, no, no. He's like old school dad. Yeah. You know, like he doesn't even I'm know how Catholic, to cook. And we're like, don't talk about anything ever, <laughs> right? <laughs> like the Catholics are like, you got problems, sweep them under the yeah, rug. Keep it together. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the community, of course, of, of, yeah. Ju- of Judaism. It depends on the sect of Judaism uh, and what community you grew up and how you grew up. But I would say that it just happens to be because I see them in synagogue and I grew yeah. up with them and I, or I know them from different circles. Yeah. That's my connection. It doesn't mean I have anything against with having a bro hang out with someone who's not Jewish. <laughs> right, I would right. love that. Right. It's just my circle of what I know. Yeah. Uh, I do have a colleague of mine who's uh, a great guy. He's uh, the Evolved Caveman yeah. on uh, Instagram. His yeah. name is John. We talk all the time. He's a great dude. Right. He, I think he's Catholic. I, I have no idea. Yeah. But I think you're right because we find commonality. Yeah. Of let's say the rules and regulations and the laws and the rituals and the spiritual things and the, we like vent about those things as well. But yeah. that's like our connector because we have common ground. Right. But that's really Obviously, what it takes. I'm not like stereotyping. No, of course. But, but like, you, if I was, if I'm a Yankee fan, I would yeah. not talk to sports with a Boston Red Sox fan. <laughs> that would that would be, that's yeah. not okay. Yeah. My my father told me one thing when I was dating is do not marry a Boston Red Sox fan. <laughs> um, very New Yorker right there. No, but that's like same thing. Right. The commonality of sports. Why would you hang out with a Jets right. fan if you're a Giants fan? Right. I'm not picking teams right now. I know. I know. I am a Yankees fan. It is very true. Yeah. Yes. No, I just like you know what I I'm always point. like really curious about different cultures and how we like question. connect with each other and you know are there. I hope that that doesn't sound too stereotypical. No, I love that question yeah. because also like, let's say for example, we have Sabbath dinner. Yeah. So we would invite each other because we're friends and our wives are friends. We would invite each other yeah. over and then right. our kids would hang out. So we're just together. Right. So it really I is love the, like that community. Exactly. That, that exactly. Judaism. I think it's really special. Um, Eli, tell me what you think is like your biggest piece of advice for dads transitioning into fatherhood. Be patient with yourself because it is a change. So it yeah. means really taking the time you need and don't beat yourself up. If you don't have the connection with your child that you expected, maybe yeah. your wife might have a faster connection. Um, my wife from the second that baby was born and she was able to pay attention after all the drugs were out of her system. Right. Um, there was a deep connection of love. Yeah, I did. I loved my child, but I didn't have that level. And I kept beating myself up. Like, why am I not there? And it took time because yeah. like you said, Carrying the baby for nine months, right. birthing the child. There's a huge hormonal connection, yeah. which is magical and a blessing. I didn't have that. So be patient. When it comes to your skills as a father, give yourself time and talk to your spouse. Communicate. Be patient and communicate with the other person who's involved with that child. And get help when you can, whether it's from parents, in-laws, friends, family. If someone's willing to make you food or take the baby for a while so you can just relax, do it. But remember, just be patient and communicate. Yeah. Eli, thank you so much for joining me and talking about mental health and fatherhood. Tell my listeners where they can find you. So I have a website, elevation.org. It's E-L-I-V-A-T-I-O-N. And my Instagram is elevation underscore therapist. And I have a podcast, The Dude Therapist, which 
you'll hopefully be on soon. And um, uh, it's all about just bringing more normalcy and human side of mental health and growth and uh, relationships and parenting from a mental health professional. That's really what it's about. Perfect. Thank you so much, Eli. And cheers to fatherhood. Amen to that.